This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech. Personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. Welcome to Stories of Strength, a podcast where we share personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello, and this week I'm joined by Ebenezer Samuel, fitness director for Men's Health Magazine and head of training innovation for Flexit Fitness. Ebenezer has been a certified trainer for more than a decade. He's trained with NFL and track athletes, and prior to working with Men's Health Magazine, he was a sports and tech columnist for New York Daily News. Today, he's here to tell us about his journey and how he's using training and his writing to redefine strength. So how are you doing today, Ebenezer? Uh, good. You know, start of the new year, trying to keep my energy up, trying to hit hard. So yeah, I'm having a good time. That's great. Well, happy new year and thank you so much for being on the show. So I want to jump right in. In addition to writing about health and fitness, you're also a tech columnist. How did you first come to have an interest in tech? I grew up around two things like fitness and video games. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think when I got to, when I, I was initially at the daily news before I got to men's health. And one of the things I really wanted to do there was I got there because I wanted to be around fitness and sport and athleticism. Right. But Mm -hmm. one thing I discovered really early about newspapers is they're super flexible to let like kind of young writers dive into different spaces that they want to. So I started doing kind of obviously a lot of the sports stuff. I was around the New York Giants a lot, the uh, New York Knicks, New York Yankees. I learned a lot, but they also just kind of let me dabble in kind of like the video game space. And that became like reviews of cell phones and reviews of just larger tech so that I I wound up just really in the tech space, which is fun. I mean, tech to me is basically like adult Legos, right? (laughs) That's great. That's great. Has your interest in technology influenced your interest in sports? I think it's, it's definitely influenced the way I perceive some of that stuff, right? Because I feel like right now, We're in kind of a golden age, right, of tech and fitness and tech and sport and analytics and looking at, you know, the perfect angle from which to squat, you know, or the perfect speed to do a lift. Right. So it's it's definitely because I've always I I come from actually before I even got into journalism, I had an accounting degree. Right. So I'm like a numbers guy. And so I think it's, it's influenced, you know, like HRV, heart, kind of all these things are out there. And I think what I try to do at um, Men's Health and what I try to just think about in general is how tech influences fitness, right? The things we can learn, the insights we can get. I'm a very big like whoop guy. The Apple Watch gives really good insights. And I think trying to pull from those things is something like I've, I've really tried to bring to Men's Health. As a writer myself, I always feel like it's like a workout. I have to get better with time. I started off first with blogging and then, and then writing on media and then authoring two books. Was writing something you've always been good at or is it like building muscle? You have to work at it. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Cause I definitely, I'm not a natural writer, right? Mm-hmm. It is like you said, it's a muscle and even just different kinds of writing are a muscle. Like I'm sure for you, like, you know, blogging is one thing, writing a book requires kind of like tapping into like a different part of your brain. And I think it's the same for me. Like writing is a grind. Working out is a grind, right? Like some, yeah. it's like, you got to make it through a certain amount of sets to get where you want. And when I've, I've written two covers in my history of men's health, both of them were like, I sat down, it took me three to four days because you kind of choke out like really quality writing. So it's, it's hard. 
I think the same lessons and insights that we draw from the gym about, you know, sticking to it, staying focused, get through all your sets and find a way, you know, it's like, we have to find a way to bench our 225 or, or to get our record squat or our record deadlift. Those same insights are what I do to get through a tough story. It's like, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to work on it. And eventually the weight's going to go up as long as I don't quit. That's true. It's a, it is a process and it's a building process, much like working out. I notice on your Twitter account, you say you're forever a gamer. In the fields of fitness and training, do you find that there's an expectation to give up an interest like video games? I think it's changing a little bit, but I do mm -hmm. definitely feel like, I think it's, it's almost more of a society thing, right? Like there's definitely kind of, a, I think, a feeling for for people when you're out facing and I'm sure you face it too, right? Like when anybody, sure. whenever anybody walks up to you, it's like you're a trainer to them and they want to know, you know, how they can get their biceps bigger, how they can lose 15 pounds. And that's kind of how they view you. And I think, but I think it is important for people to know that people like us have other hobbies, you know? And yeah. it's the reality is like, I can, I'm going to train people for part of the day. I'm going to work out for my one and a half to two hours, but I also need to rest and because it, that's how I'm going to get more out of my body. And so that rest is spent playing video games. And I'm, you know, so I think, I think, um, it's important for us to show them other sides. You bring up a very good point. Cause always people come to me and say, Oh, well, you're just a trainer. You're just this. And I'm like, no, I have other things in my life that I am doing and I'm, you know, I'm doing them well. So it is a very interesting point that you bring up. What lifestyle adjustments can a person who likes video games to, ho to have the best of like the both worlds, fitness and interest in movies and video games? Yeah, it's, in it's interesting because um, especially the, the rep for gamers, right? Like you think of this, this guy who lives in like his mom's basement and comes out, to, you know, <laughs> comes out between multiplayer sessions for like a, a glass of milk and then goes back downstairs. And I never wanted to be that. I wanted to epitomize something different. But when you play a video game, yeah, especially on like a Saturday, you can easily fall into um, sitting in front of your TV for eight hours, right? So I think the things you do to avoid that, and it's something I'm actually really looking to get more into and to help people with more in 2022, is one, like like just making a point like every hour, every two hours to kind of get up, right? And and don't just get up and take a walk to the kitchen, but, um, you know, do a couple stretches, you know, like basic stuff like we would teach anybody, like the Spider-Man lunge, right? Or a real mm -hmm. quick couch stretch. One thing I used to do a lot when I would play like Final Fantasy or these games, these games now have these giant cinematics, right? And one thing I would do when I played those is when the cinematic came, I mean, I would, I literally keep like a 25 pound dumbbell near me and I can bang out, you know, really? concentration curls in between when that, um, that cinematic is running. Right. So I would do stuff like that, you know? And I, it's, again, it's like, it's, I feel like we are a more sedentary culture in general. Right. Mm -hmm. But there are little ways that we can just sneak motion into our life. And it's just like, you know, I think it's just discipline yourself to the same way. Like, you know, it's really easy to binge Netflix and do nothing, but, you know, just discipline yourself to whenever there's a cutscene or whenever this happens, you can make it a game for yourself. Right. Whenever this happens in a video game, whenever I, you know, get a, get an awesome kill or between multiplayer matches, I'm going to do a quick set of like 20 pushups. Right. It's basically greasing the groove in a different way, you know? So I think there are ways to pe people can sneak stuff in. And we're seeing a lot of uh, fitness being incorporated into VR. So it's, it's uh, people are moving and, and VR is picking up. So it's, it's interesting how they're overlapping the video game and the VR movement, especially in fitness. You write very regularly about high intensity interval training. What is the main difference between HIIT conditioning and other forms of metabolic training, say like CrossFit? 
I think the different, like the one of the misunderstood things about hit and high intensity interval training when done properly is the idea of intensity, right? Like a lot of times with a lot of times with CrossFit workouts, I think you increasingly see it in the way like the CrossFit games and different competitions are presented too. It's really, I mean, it requires an incredible amount of strength and skill, but it's really kind of an endurance challenge, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a, it winds up being a bunch of things strung together, whoever can win the fastest, right? But there's not like that kind of sprint component to it. And I think what, what really should separate high intensity interval training as properly defined is it's got to be hard, go all out for your intervals, right? And in order to go all out for these intervals, what people have to do is have a little bit more rest time, right? So I think, I think what you see very often within kind of the group fitness circuit or even within like a lot of just kind of basic workouts that people are playing for themselves is they're working for, if you, if you kind of take things as a as a minute, right. They wind up working for 40 to 50 seconds out of that minute. And they're only giving mm-hmm. themselves 10 to 20 seconds to rest. Right. And I yeah. think what we want to see from people to get the most out of, out of these hit workouts is either you're keeping it super short, like a Tabata, right. That way you can mm-hmm. go hard for the entire six, what is it? Eight minutes, six minutes. I feel like I'm, I'm yeah. messing, but you're going hard for that full interval. Or if you want to do a longer piece, if you want to be training for like, say 20, 25, 30 minutes of hit, you want to be working for 20 seconds and resting for 40 seconds. That way the working for 20 seconds oh, wow. can go really hard, but okay. you're maxing yourself out for those 20 seconds. Yeah, you are maxing yourself out. Definitely on that. You know, Trends are upcoming, especially in the new year. We think about the new trends and what's going on. In my opinion, VR is going to be a really big next trend, especially what people don't realize in recovery and injury for athletes who are, say, injured and they can't replicate what they want to do on the field. They may be put in a VR situation. What do you think the next trend in fitness will be? I definitely think uh, it's interesting. We should both be a CES right now. <laughs> then we can see it. I think VR is definitely something that people are going to push into. What I'm very interested to see in 2022 is we're hearing so much about the metaverse, right? Yes. And the metaverse is shaping up to be this place that, I mean, it's kind of an extension of VR, right? Where you mm-hmm. plug into it, you don't do anything real, right? And you just kind of, I guess, live in the metaverse. Like, I don't completely understand it. I'll be bench pressing while people are doing that. I'm kind <laughs> of interested to see how. Because I think at some point a fitness component is going to arrive in the metaverse because there's such a focus on wellness in 2022. So at some point that's going to arrive in there. And I think it's it'll be interesting to see kind of what that looks like, right? I think the biggest trend for us right now is just is going to be on, I think 2022 is going to be the year of very accessible workouts, right? Because, mm. because of everything that's happened through the pandemic, I think what you have, you have um, kind of a new group of people that are starting to realize, hey, I have to be healthy just in general so I can fight off disease, so I can be ready to, um, so I can live longer, right? And that's opening up this new world to us as trainers, but it's not necessarily the the jacked guys who are trying to get bigger biceps and a bigger chest. It's going to be very, very kind of easy, accessible workouts. Honestly, like what you mentioned before, for the guy who wants to play video games all day and we just need him to get moving. So I think that's the big push. It's not necessarily the sexiest thing in the world, but at the same time, it is important. Yeah. And it's the way that we're going to get a great preponderance of people moving. Yeah, it is true. And, you, and in my opinion, eventually down the road, not this year, not next year, maybe five, 10 years from now, it's almost going to be VR is going to be like a prescription base where to get 
you know, to lower the obesity rate, people are going to be getting prescription by the doctor. You have to pick up this. You have to get the VR just in a sense, get moving to get off the couch. So it's, 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 it's uh, interesting to see what the trend of not only 2022 will be, but further on down the road. Did you ever see Ready Player One? No, I haven't. What's that about? Ready Player One is actually this crazy movie about like a video game. It's mm-hmm. basically, it's, it's kind of like this multiplayer online video game where all these guys and all these guys kind of plug in via like VR headsets, right? And then they, you know, you're trying to kill some stuff and accomplish some mission or whatever, right? But one of the things that really jumped out at me, and it's funny because when you said trends and when you think of like 10 years down the road, I think of the same thing. Yeah. 10 years down the road, I guarantee you there's going to be a VR treadmill, right? You hook up your VR thing. You're kind of living in that world, right? And you're like running slash jogging, right? On your treadmill. I think we're going to see that stuff, especially with the rise in the metaverse. Mm -hmm. When you think long-term, it's just, I think that stuff is going to happen. Well, we'll keep that under lock because that's something very interesting you may want to invent down the road. So uh, keep that keep that under wrap. <laughs> You've been a certified trainer for at least 10 years now. In that time, have you had to ever overcome any significant challenges? And if so, how did you find the strength to overcome them? I feel like my challenges are never as hard as I feel like people have gone through more than me, right? The toughest thing for me, I think there are three things. One is just in general, because I was working in sports media, Right. And that job is just really intense. So it was just hard to kind of find time to to train, right? And there were a lot of times where, you know, it's like I would have to go to a Yankee game. You know, I would get there. You get there early in the morning. You don't leave till like 11 at night, you know, and it's like, do I want to train? I've always kind of been big on the idea of how bad do you want it, right? Or how bad do I want it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I want to, you know, build muscle or look a certain way and perform a certain way and move weight, right, I have to get in there and train. So it was definitely hard um, those nights where it's like you're getting home at one o'clock from a game. Yeah. You know, at the same time, that's like not, you know, that's not like a super intense challenge. I don't think the hardest thing for me is um, I think in 2011, actually 2011, yeah, I um, tore my shoulder labrum, right, in my left shoulder. I think something like nine anchors put in, right? Wow. Yeah. And it was, it was honestly because like, I didn't, you know, it's like, we're, we're young and we, you know, it's like, you think like you can just do whatever. And I wasn't training real smart or learning the proper technique mm-hmm. for stuff. And so, but I tore that. And so for, you know, the, I mean, labor and recovery one, it's like very often it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. You see that in a lot of baseball pitchers and two, it's just rigorous. Right. And so kind of climbing that mountain was probably like the hardest stuff, the hardest thing I've, I had to do because it was, you know, go to rehab, go train the other side of my body, you know, do it all between work. Right. And I think my thing then it was it actually wound up being the best thing. And I I've kind of used it going forward to try to always make sure to find like a silver lining in something, you know, it's sure. like any challenge put in front of you is a chance to plug into like a 2.0 for whatever you learn from that. Right. So, mm-hmm. Because I went through that, I have a really, really good understanding of the anatomy of the shoulder, of how to fix it, of how to prevent injuries, and how to think a little bit next level about it. And I think that's helped me with men's health because, you know, one of the one of the issues almost everybody of our readership is, you know, they're dealing with the, that kind of rounded forward posture, right? Sure. And I've spent a lot of time studying how to fix that, so. Yeah, you, you bring in some really good points because I, I had 16 surgeries. Yeah, major back surgeries and everything about that. And one of the biggest things for me being challenged is that it wasn't the time, it was really the motivation. And that was, you know, when you're down, it's very hard to come back. So I had to really not only surround myself with good people, but make it a point each and every day that, 
this is going to be a trial. This is going to be a, this is going to be a tribulation. This is going to be something I have to go through. So I can totally empathize with what you what you're talking about. And a, another point that you brought up, it's helped me become a better trainer. Because when people come to me and they say, hey, I have lower back pain or I had problems, they say, hey, listen, I had four major back surgeries. I have spinal fusions galore. So it's always helped me as a trainer for what I went through with my injuries. So I appreciate that. What would you say to someone who is maybe unmotivated or struggling to pursue a fit lifestyle? It's interesting because, again, I feel like that's like everybody now, right? And there are a lot of reasons. The world is kind of nuts right now. And for a lot of people don't have gym access a lot. And it's just there's a lot going on right now. The thing I tell anybody is I think once you've experienced kind of, and you and me have experienced that many times, right? Like how good you feel and the sense of accomplishment you feel when you kind of, you know, PR in a workout and just how much better your body feels over time, right? Course, yeah. you, you you love it, right? Like I could never imagine like not training, but I've also been, you and me have also been doing it for a long time. I always tell people who are struggling to get started, give me seven minutes, right? Give me seven minutes today right? Mm. And that's it. And let's just start there, right? And then I give them very, very simple workouts. It'll be like literally like, you know, a circuit of a pl- a planks, reverse lunges and jumping jacks, right? And do that for seven minutes. And then we'll do it today. And then we'll try to do it tomorrow. And then we'll try to do it the next day. And we're just building because seven minutes is really, it's long enough that you can break a sweat, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going hard enough. And it's long enough that, you know, we can, we can start to see like, the beginning of certain muscle adaptations, right? Sure. But it's short enough that it never feels like you have to commit like an hour or a half hour to it, you know, or you have to run to the gym and change clothes. So I try to get people to start with seven minutes with the, with the hope, you know, we do that for like two to three weeks. They see the value of it. They realize, Hey, I can do this. And then maybe it becomes, let's do a seven minute workout in the morning and in the night. Right. Or maybe it becomes, let's do a 10 and a 15. And it's interesting because I have one lady who we did that with, and she started with those seven minute things. She's in Virginia. So we only, you know, I, I do most of my stuff with her kind of like online or texting and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And these days she's texting me and she's like, oh yeah, you know, I rode for like a half hour, you know, on, on <laughs> concept two. And I'm like, you went really far from seven minutes. Be proud of yourself. So I think yeah. start with seven minutes and go from there. That's a great point because so many people think I have to do for an hour. I have to do for a half hour. When you say seven minutes, people say, well, what can I actually accomplish in seven minutes? And then you think about it, and something like that is you're changing your mindset, you're changing your behavior. And then once you once you get the first taste, you're just like, I got to do more, I got to do more. And then it transcends over into food. Speaking of food, what's sad is that America right now is over 70% overweight and obese. What needs to happen in our country to lower the obesity rate? I think it's interesting. I think two critical things or two things need to happen. And it's interesting because one of them, I feel like we've been at for probably the last decade, right? Which is trying to create better food options for people, you know, and help them Mm -hmm. understand, like help them understand what's going into their body, both quantity wise and just quality wise. Right. And I think you see that, like, it's been probably, it's, I've, I've been seeing going into McDonald's for a decade, right? Not that I eat at McDonald's, but you know, (laughs) when, uh, but you know, and and I, I remember like, you see, like, you see calories starting to pop up, right. So that people can track that. Right. And I think one of the biggest things is people have to understand portion size and kind of what you're putting into your body. Take the time to read a food label, take the time to, to think about, do I really want to eat that? Do I need that Oreo cookie? What am I putting into my body? I think that's our biggest challenge because the reality is those, I don't want it. When when I have like a piece of cheesecake in front of me, I probably really don't want to think about what I'm putting into my body because it just tastes so good. Right. But I think we have to get to that point 
and I think it's coming. The other thing I think, and this has become a problem because of the pandemic, because of COVID, is just activity levels. Even for I don't know if you view if you noticed it for yourself, but even for me, it's like I I train hard, right? But I also I no longer have to walk four blocks to get to the office every day. And I, I no longer have to, you know, sprint from the uh, from from the sixth train to to the uh, to the Metro North so I can get home. Right. Because I'm late, which my I'm kind of thankful for every so often. But um, well, I think we have to find a way just societally to uh, make sure that we're getting in kind of that neat, you know, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Just get create movement in our lives beyond our workout, create movement in our lives in general. And I think that's just you know, getting outside, go play with your kids, you know, take your dog for a walk, take your dog for two walks so that you get a little bit of extra out of that. And again, when you're binging, you know, whatever's on Netflix, like the mass singer, when you're binging that, just take the time to work through a couple stretches because you can watch TV and pay attention to the entire thing. And you can be doing Spider-Man lunges and you're going to feel so much better for it. So I think it's just, we've got to find ways as a society to sneak activity into our days as much as we can. You're so right about that. And what one thing you mentioned about portion control, one of the things I tell my clients is is give your food a hand. You know, your your protein should be no thicker or bigger than the palm of your hand. Your, your carbs should be the size of your fists and, and fat should be the size of your thumb. So, you know, I hear you on the portion control. When I spoke at TED, I, I, my topic was diet and exercise makes you fat. Not that diet and exercise makes you fat, that if you do it, but what I was getting at is that there has to be some sort of behavioral change. There has to be a mindset change. Do you think in order to lower the obesity level, that behavior has to come first? Yeah, it almost has to start with, on a macro level, it has to start with kind of um, a cognizance that that this is not good, you know? I think we're in this weird place right now where we kind of, like a lot of people recognize it's not good, but they haven't, so we've gotten to that point, but they haven't decided to do something about it. And it's the, it's a decision, right? Like a lot of things are a decision. Committing to my job is a decision getting married is a decision, right? You know, I think we have to get people to decide and commit, right? And you're right, that is about mindset. So I think it is, I think, yeah, the greatest thing, and it's the hardest thing because it's the one thing we can't train, right? Like I can tell you to do your push-ups, I can tell you to do your sit-ups. I I'm, I can't guarantee that you're going to show up the next day. Like you have to want to show up to do the workout. So it is a mindset thing. It is true. And that's, it's one thing why I always pride myself. I'm part of that 5am club. I get up, I do my meditation and, and uh, do my exercise first thing in the morning to set my mindset right, to set my mood right. So I'm able to tackle whatever is in front of me, negative or positive throughout the day. So I really think that mindset and behavior change has to happen first in order us to really lower that obesity rate. Because when you throw out exercise, the first thing is people, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. And then when you take away food, people are like, well, I just don't know how to do it. So forget it. I just, I just don't want to give up my comfort food. So I hear you on all those points. We're in the resolution season right now. What are some of the biggest pitfalls that you see during the resolution season? It's interesting because I, like, I feel like one of the biggest ones kind of goes to, um, and it, it's all kind of wrapped in the same thing in a weird way, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, again, why I love coming back to like seven minutes, like get started, you know, I think what you have and what I see like every time of this year, so many friends hit me up. They're like, you know, I want to get back in shape. I'm going to go hard. I want to diet, you know what I mean? I'm going to go hard. Right. And I think the the hardest thing is, um, is, is making that resolution a more legitimate goal than just a resolution, right? New Year's resolutions have yeah. become this thing. We go hard on them for like a month, maybe two, because we don't want to just be the January people. And then they kind of fizzle. Right. And I think, yeah. I think what we need, ideally what we want, what we need to see people do. 
and what good trainers need to help their clients do is um, almost like pull back. That way you don't get injured too, you know, that way you can kind of pick that resolution out, make it a long-term goal and then building these smaller steps. So if I want to, uh, you know, bench press 300 by the end of the year, I'm not going to necessarily go into the gym and throw 300 on the bar tomorrow. Right. But I'm going to work up from 135 to 175 to 185 to 225 and take my time and map it out over the course of the year. That way I can accomplish something really cool. And then I'll hit my resolution and be that much more proud of myself in December because it was a journey instead of it being, you know, a quick trip around the block. Yeah. You mentioned journey. This, these are crazy statistics, but 95% of people give up on their resolutions by January 15th. So January 15th is, is the cutoff point when people give up and the 5% that go on, majority of them don't even make it. And what happens a lot of times is what we do is we put up these pushing factors. I always say pushing factors. I want to lose 30 pounds. Well, how about I don't want to get diabetes? So you have to have pulling factors, something that's going to pull you along that journey, as you mentioned. So setting up pulling as opposed to pushing factors can really be a big thing and avoid that January club. You know, Right now, we're, with resolution season, we're seeing a lot of diets that are coming to fruition, a lot of new diets. We're seeing, you know, I read the other day that intermittent fasting is you know, going to be a new thing, the soup diet is going to be a new thing, and then we even talking about plant-based diets. What do you think about plant-based eating going mainstream, and is that what's needed to lower the obesity rate? I am a little bit hesitant, I guess, to instantly label plant-based eating as a fix, Right. I think parts of plant-based eating are good because if you look at the, the, the average American diet, isn't going to have enough of what? Well, it's going to be lacking nine times out of 10 in two things, which is going to be proper amount of protein mm. for the person. And it's going to be lacking in vegetables, right? So we need to eat more of that. The reality is I need to eat more of that too, right? I think if plant-based eating works for you, if you're mm -hmm. into it, if you like it, go with it. I don't like to restrict anything. It can be hard, especially for it, it, it's, it's maybe fine for a normal lay person, right? But if you want to get strong, if you want to build muscle, you need to have a certain amount of protein in your diet. And I think it can be hard to hit that level when you're only eating vegetables, when you're only eating plant-based. And there are some ways around that, right? Obviously you can use supplements, you know, there's some obviously higher protein sources for those who want to eat plant-based. But um, I just, I hesitate to say that that's the best way for us to, um, to, to kind of solve the obesity epidemic. I think all these diets, I don't think there's one like be all end all way, but I think we learn a lesson from all of them, whether it's intermittent fasting in terms of, you know, controlling the times you're eating, you're in control of that, you know, keto and paleo, not necessarily attack, like fat used to be demonized, right? Fat is not a bad so. thing in your diet. And so the lesson of plant-based eating that I hope we learn over the next three to four years is going to be, let's get those vegetables up because to some extent they can be unlimited. That's the one thing you can have, what, like three fistfuls of on your plate, right? If it's green, sure, that's going to help you with antioxidants, it's going to help you feel better. It's going to set you up. So I think the lesson of plant-based eating I'm hoping that we'll get is like, let's all get more green on our plate, including me, because I hate greens. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so how do you get your greens? Um, I choke them down is what I do. Um, <laughs> I'm a very big, uh, broccoli squash, um, asparagus guy. I mix it. My mom has helped me out over the last like year and a half, mostly because she makes curry sardines, which is super spicy. So I'm basically sweating after every meal, 
But because of that, it masks her, the flavor from that and the chili from that is so hot, right? That it masks the awful flavor of broccoli and squash and asparagus. So I just choke it down. But yeah, that, that, that's my <laughs> not very polished or useful to anybody else strategy for this. You know, there's interesting, you bring up a very valid point. There's very interesting ways that they're now working plants into, into foods. And today I had for the first time hash browns that were cauliflower based. And they were, they were actually really good. They actually tasted just like hash browns. So, you know, to, to people out there, there are ways that you can implement them into your diet without being scared off it. Now, I'm a very big advocate of sleep, and I feel that we are a very big sleep-deprived nation. How important is sleep with performance or even weight loss, and what does your sleep routine look like? So my sleep routine is, is not so great. Like, I definitely try to get around six hours a night. It can be tough sometimes just because, um, because I'm, you know, and you, you, I know you've experienced it too. It's like, we're pulled in all different directions, right? I have magazine yeah. stuff I have to do. I have video responsibility. I train people and then I got to get my workout in. And so by that time, and then trying to keep up relationships with my brother, with my mom, with it, it time runs out. And so sometimes I shortchange sleep. I try to be in bed by 1230 every night mm-hmm. and I'm usually up around six or six thirty, partly because I want to be as close to that 5am club as you are. Yeah. Setting myself apart and putting in that work is important, right? All that said, I think sleep is is critical. I, I know it. I try to, I definitely try to sneak in a nap here and there. I think it's, it's critical because it's going to help us recover, right? And because I train really, really hard, like I'm going heavy, I'm lifting heavy weights and I'm trying to push myself to the limit. And in order to do that, I need my mental focus. And if I'm, if once I get down to three, four hours of sleep, I'm not, I don't have that focus and I can tell it's diminishing my performance in the gym and I don't recover as well. So I know that my sleep is getting low when the next day in the morning I'm sore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I trained hard the day before, but normally I'm not that sore. And that's because like my body works well on six hours of sleep. So I try to make sure to get those six hours. I would encourage anybody to everybody to try to sleep six to eight hours. At least it's hard fight for it and also try to be regular. Like even if you're only getting five hours of sleep, there's a lot of research out there that basically says, whatever sleep you're getting, try to keep it steady. So go to bed at the same time, wake up around the same time. Even if you're getting five, it's going to make those five hours of sleep productive because your rhythm sort of acclimate to that. And in some cases, you're, you're able to get in your sleep cycles properly too. Yeah, very valid points. I get this question asked a lot to me. They're like, do I have to give up alcohol? And people are saying, you know, to live a fitness lifestyle, to live a healthy lifestyle, do I have to give up alcohol? What are your feelings regarding alcohol and exercise? It sort of depends on your goal, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to be a bodybuilder, if you want to compete, then yes, you probably do want to give up alcohol. There's not much good that I can think of or, and and not much that I've seen research-wise that says, your Friday night at the bar where you go nuts is any good. So it's it's hard to make a case for alcohol being useful in terms of a workout. You're not going to get anything out of it. It's going to leave you dehydrated. We talk about mental focus, and I think you need that focus to perform your best in the gym, especially if you have lofty goals. You're not going to get that if you're drinking with, with consistency. That said, if your goal is just to you know lose 10 pounds, right? just pick your spots with alcohol. I think anything, whether it's alcohol or Oreo cookies or which I really like, by the way, or ice cream, I think <laughs> none of these things need to be complete zero cold turkey, leave it behind. But you want to just find a way to pick your spots, maybe limit 
the alcohol to one glass, you know, or I don't know if you can tell that I don't drink, but one glass or beer like once a week, right? Just find a way to control it. That way it doesn't set you back and you can still hit all the goals that you want. Interesting. Now you're working with a new fitness app, Flexit, that actually customizes the programs where people can work out with a trainer of their choice. Why is the customization aspect so important? There are so many apps out there. And a lot of those apps, what those apps do is they give you a series of workouts or they give you a workout here and there and you just repeat that same workout over and over and over. But it's not built for you. And it's you go back to what you and I were talking about earlier. I had a shoulder injury. And mm-hmm. you had, you know, a series of surgeries. So it's, you know, so doing that canned workout when both of you, you and I were at our lowest points, right, was probably not the best thing for our bodies because I, the trainer who was going to tell me to do a shoulder press when I just had nine anchors in me, it's not going to help me, right? What Flexit does is, is we're pairing a trainer with a client, right, for a virtual one-on-one session. And what that does is that allows me to work with somebody in a lot more detail, And to appreciate the fact that, hey, this person may have had a shoulder injury or a back injury a couple of years ago or a couple of months ago, and I can help them work through that because I can customize that workout. Like you said, that's the importance of the customized workout. I'm watching them move in real time. I can tell them, Mm -hmm. hey, instead of forcing an eighth rep on that Romanian deadlift, let's cut it off at six because you're not moving well. And that's what we can do when we get to watch somebody virtually in a program. So I'm very, very high on what we do at Flexit. One of the coolest things for me was over the summer last year, I worked with somebody on Flexit. And I think we started at something like a 135 pound trap bar deadlift. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly because like he wasn't super confident in his mechanics, right? And he didn't have anybody kind of watching him. And just working with those virtuals, we were able to get him, I believe our session before he went on his summer vacation, I think he was up around like 225. And he looked like he could have gone heavier, I was, but I was just like, let's win where we're at. So that's kind of the power of being able to get that virtual one-on-one experience with somebody. So very high and flexible. That's great. That's great. It's a great app too. What's the biggest mistake that you see in the fitness industry? Um, you mean for clients or, or, or trainers making or what? Just in general. I think it's, and this is actually something that I've learned in my time at Men's Health and really come to appreciate. I think the biggest kind of mistake and trap for whether it's clients or trainers or whatever is dogma. You know, I think what we want, Mm -hmm. what we see a lot in fitness is, um, okay, yoga is the best way to do this, right? The best way to train is CrossFit, right? Don't train anywhere. Bodybuilding is the best way to go, right? And none of these groups necessarily, you put them in a room, right? And none of these groups are kind of willing to learn from each other, right? Even though a lot of your CrossFit warmups or, or many of your CrossFit warmup pieces like may have descended from yoga and just stand an animal flow. And a lot of the way, like the fun ways to structure a workout, you know, even if you don't think people need to be doing barbell cleans every single day, CrossFit delivers a lot of fun ways to structure a workout different disciplines within fitness, not being willing to learn from each other. When in reality, everything we're doing, it's all really movement. And whether you're doing yoga, whether you're lifting weights, whether you're a distance runner or or a sprint guy, what's getting you the results to some extent, what's creating the calorie burn is you're moving with intent. 
And we all have to get to, to get to the point where we realize how the other disciplines can feed each other. Because the reality is if I'm working my sprints, it's going to make me a better long distance runner because I'm going to have a little bit more kick at the end, right? But if I'm a long distance runner, it can make me a better bodybuilder because it's going to burn some fat and it's going to prepare my aerobic system in a way that, you know, my four sets of 12 on the bench press are not, you know, but if I build all that strength via CrossFit or uh, strength training, it's going to help me when I go back out to run or sprint, because I'm going to have that much more power in my ground contact. So everything feeds everything. And I think we just got to learn as a group of trainers in a real, in an Instagram world that lets us really attack each other. We've got to learn to kind of play together and appreciate each other and learn from each other better. I'm glad you said that because it is all about movement. Everything does cross over. So I'm really happy you said that. Ebenezer, with all that you've accomplished, how would you define what it is you're seeking? I don't think I've, I've accomplished that much. You know, I think what I'm seeking to do right now is just help people again, start that like find movement. I think that's kind of our goal for men's health this year. It's like, we want to help people find movement and we want to start to challenge them, right? challenge them to push a little bit farther. And I think that's kind of the goal, like both for, for myself too. It's like, I want to continue to move for myself and find new challenges, right? I think what we're going to try to do at the magazine this year is push people to kind of remind them that you're capable of moving and you should, and you're also capable of kind of great things with your body. Mm -hmm. And we can kind of, we're going to help you get there at the magazine I'm going to help them get there, you know, on my social media pages, you know, when I train people, whether in person or on Flexit, our goal is to just help you move and challenge yourself. And that's kind of what I'm seeking for myself. And that's kind of what I'm seeking for as many people as possible and all our men's health readers for this year. Speaking of social media, your Instagram page is incredible. And where can people find more about you on social media? My Instagram page is um, at Ebenezer. At I think it's at Ebenezer Samuel. I actually need to check. I hope it's at Ebenezer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, listen, thank you so much. Happy New Year. And it was an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for having me on. It was an honor to get to talk to you too. A big thanks to Ebenezer Samuel for being here today and exploring how he's carved out a unique space for himself in the world of fitness training and tech reporting. And thanks to you for listening to the show. Please remember to subscribe if you haven't yet and leave a review if you're enjoying the conversations. I'm Jay Cardiel, and this has been Stories of Strength, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength presented by MuscleTech.